Welcome to No Matter What. I'm Hannah Seymour, and this podcast is all about being who God created you to be no matter what. No matter your past, your current circumstances, no matter your relationship status, your career journey, no matter what life throws at you. Each episode, I invite a friend to talk about what that actually looks like, to be who God created you to be no matter what. Welcome back to another episode of No Matter What. Y'all, I am so excited because a lot of my interviews are done over Zoom, which is great, especially during this COVID-19 season. But occasionally I get to have someone in the studio and it's just so fun to be staring at their face. And so today I have my friend Lauren Walton, who really goes by Lauren Leanne on her book and on her (laughs) socials. And you're going to need to know that because you're going to want to look her up later. But my friend Lauren is in the studio to talk about her, one of her big no matter what's, which also happens to be a book that she just wrote. So Lauren, thanks for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. So I was trying to think, like, Lauren, we obviously know each other because of Tyler, but remind me, how do you know Tyler, my husband, in case someone's a new listener and does not know who Tyler is? (laughs) So... My roommate and best friend from growing up my whole life, her older sister went to Belmont with Tyler. So they were really good friends. And when I first moved to Nashville, we kind of just became part of that friend group. So I met a ton of people from Belmont. Eventually, we started, which my roommate and I hosted, which let's be real, she mostly hosted and did all the cooking in. Um, <laughs> but we did a thing that we called family dinner That's every right. Monday night. That's and right. so I would see Tatler at you least. You were part of the family. And that was <laughs> yeah. only what, like 10, maybe 12 people? Something like that. At parts we like grew as some people like maybe started dating or different siblings or people moved to town. We kind of people got added in. But yeah, I think it was about 10 to 12 in the beginning, especially. And that was so fun. And I'm so glad my roommate, it was mostly again, her love child, if you will, of doing that and hosting and have getting people together. And it allowed us just to connect at least once a week when everyone was really busy doing different stuff. And it we looked forward to it. It was yeah. so much fun. So if this is the first episode of No Matter What You've Ever Listened To, you heard it in the intro. The whole point of this podcast is to talk to people about how you set out to be, how you have the focus to be who God created you to be amidst seasons that are not what you want in life. They're hard. They're uncomfortable. And how do you still have the resolve to say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that my circumstances are not what I want them to be. I'm going to choose to be who God has created me to be in this season. So Lauren, let's start. I feel like most of these episodes start about like 17, 18 years old, because I think for so many of us, that's really where life starts to unfold in ways that we never would have imagined that it would. So sweet little Lauren is graduating high school. What are her hopes and dreams for her life at this point? Yes, I grew up in a Christian home and I definitely at that point, I felt like I had a plan when I was graduating, like you said. I was watching my sister graduate from college at that time, and she had met her now husband, amazing husband, in college, and I was watching her get married, and I just didn't think there would ever be anything else besides that for me, too. So I I talk about this in the book. I went back and found at our church, they did like a senior program type thing, and it was like, tell me your long and short-term goals, and short-term, it was to go to Auburn and play softball, and I was on my way to do that, and long-term, it just said to be the godly wife and mother that God created me to be, and that was really it for me. Like, there was no... I ended up getting my degree in elementary education, and honestly, the plan was I'll teach for a couple of years, like when I'm a newlywed, mm-hmm. and I'll start having kids, yeah. and that was it. There was nothing. There was never this pull to like anything career wise or with jobs, whatever, like that, that, yeah. that was just it. And I never thought there would be anything different than that mm-hmm. I just kind of was like, that's how it goes. Like I'll go to college. I again, got to pursue my dream of playing softball there, but I'll meet the guy that I'm going to marry and we'll get married. Yeah. Start having kids. Yeah. So you graduate from Auburn and you don't have a ring on your finger. No. And the guy that I dated most of off and on throughout college and obviously thought I was going to marry ended up being um, 
there was multiple of us. So obviously that was not the time. So I, writing the book, I really reflected back to that time. And I was like, I pretty much walked across the stage heartbroken. Mm. And so I didn't know what else to do. The plane wasn't unfolding. So I actually stayed and did grad school at Auburn too. So I stayed an extra year and same thing, walked across the stage after that graduation and still just like, this is not how I Mm -hmm. saw this happening. Mm -hmm. Like still kind of just, this is not what I saw. So. And I think that's true for a lot of women that they expect to meet their husband in college. They expect to get married shortly after and think like, yeah, I'll start having kids by like 25. And I mean, research shows that is not the norm. I wish I had opened, cracked open my book because that's one of my chapters, like helping girls set the expectation. Based on research, it is unlikely for you to meet your husband in college and get married at 22. So, you know, you were holding on to a good hope, a good dream, a good desire. Um, What do you feel like you did well in that season? What do you feel like you did not do well as that kind of progressed and you kept living life realizing that I'm still not dating someone that is going to be my husband tomorrow? Yeah, I feel like, well, I would say I just kept putting one foot in front of the other and just started applying to teaching jobs. And again, there was always this underlying sense of, I really did not see this happening like this, but I just started applying. And honestly, I feel like my plan is not becoming a plan. So I'm just going to put some stuff in my car, go to Nashville, see if I can find a job, which I remember at the time, mom was like, this is not a plan. But I was like, (laughs) (laughs) so many people who moved to Nashville, that's exactly the plan, which is so funny. But I was like, I feel like this is all like, like, this is what I can do right now. So uh, anyways, I, um, I've been here this summer will be 11 years, which is crazy. So I obviously stuck around. I found an interim teaching job and loved it. But I would say what I did do well was I just kept living. Like I said, I I ended up falling, which I'm so thankful for, into this amazing group of hilarious, like people that loved the Lord, like group of people. I met new people. I was getting to experience a new city. It was great. I had pieces of home here, people that I knew. Mm. And yeah. So, I mean, I think you said in your book, you're making these decisions and kind of starting to create a life, an adult life for yourself that you never thought you'd do alone. You always thought you'd have a husband that would be weighing in on these decisions and that kind of thing. So I guess one question I have for you is for the 20 to 25 year olds that are listening to this right now and going, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Like I'm not supposed to be making these decisions without a husband because I thought that was the plan. God, I thought that's what we were supposed to be doing. What would you say to them? How would you encourage them to keep moving forward and, and to live the life that God has called them to live? Because right now God has called them to live a single life. If there ain't no husband, that means... (laughs) Yeah, that means they're called to be single and, and it's, it's his best for them right now today. Yeah. I love that you said that. I feel like that's so hard to remember when you're just like grinding in it. And I would say, give yourself a little space to feel that. Like Mm -hmm. one thing that I, as I've done counseling and figured out my emotions a little more and how to deal with them in a healthy way that I didn't understand then, I really kind of thought I had to push some of that down Mm -hmm. and like, there were so many of these shoulds or I'm not supposed to like this, this shouldn't be hard. Like Mm. I should just keep going. And I think the thing is, is you do have to keep going and we can't just bare our head in the sand. That's not God's best for us, but do let yourself feel that. Like I wish someone had just like looked me in the eye and not that people didn't at certain times, but just really said like, it's okay. Like, this is hard. This is not what you envisioned. And I get that. And I totally understand that. Like I'm there with you. It's okay to feel that. Absolutely. Bring that to the Lord. Like bring that to a couple people. Let all that out, that expectation, disappointment, all that out. And then I feel like that's when a lot of times you start to uncover this, like, okay, well, this is what I can do. Like I can make this move and this isn't what I want, but ultimately it does turn into good. And obviously I don't always like it, but there's so much that I've had to learn with it just being me. Like things yeah. that I 
would have easily and happily handed over to a husband to help out with. Yeah. But that I've kind of had to figure out. Yeah. And so there's thankfulness for that. You know, I, I still don't always love it. And I think just my hope would be and what I would want to tell someone, especially at that age, is like, it's okay to acknowledge it's hard. You don't have to slap the, but God is good on top of it. You yeah. can feel that it's okay that it's hard. But I think in that, then just start asking the hard questions of God. Like start asking them, okay, this thing hasn't happened. What do you want? What do you have? Mm-hmm. And I believe he loves to be invited in and he always longs to show us his best for us. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a talk that I give often about how to live in the gap between our expectations and reality. And usually if I have the capability, I'll like take a really big balloon with me and have this balloon like hovering over me. Like these are our hopes and dreams and our expectations of what life is going to be like. And reality, of course, is the ground we're walking on. And sometimes, you know, I'll like pull the balloon down like and and hold it in, in my hands close to my chest. Like sometimes we are living in our hopes and dreams and we're holding on and it's it's so close. I mean, it's right here, but other times, and then I like let the balloon out and as high as it'll go. Other times the gap between our hopes and what we're really walking in is extreme. And, um, depending on who I'm talking to, if it's like college girls or whatever, I'll, I'll kind of then unpack a few different places where most of us have gaps between expectations and reality and talk about how we can't, you know, some of us walk around life with our necks thrown back. We're staring up at that balloon at those hopes and dreams so hard. We're stumbling in reality. We're falling on our face. We're tripping over. Like life is super hard because we can't let go and and not stop staring at the balloon 24 seven. The reverse side though, is there are some of us that want to forget the hopes and dreams because we're so disappointed. And so we're staring at our feet and we're missing out on every good thing that's happening around us because we are so fixated on our shoes. Now, we might not be stumbling and falling on our face like the other side of the spectrum, but we're missing out on so much stuff because, I mean, that's essentially, it's depression, you know, we're, we're staring straight down on the yeah. ground. And so then we talk about like, how do we keep our eyes fixed on the horizon? And you can look up and you can get a glimpse of those hopes and dreams and you can look down and get a, you know, get a glimpse at where your feet are. But we're trying to look out at the horizon so we can see all the things. And anyway. Um, I love that so much. I'm like, man, I wish I, there are points in my life I wish I was sitting there hearing <laughs> you just like talk about that and seeing that. That it's okay when it, you're holding the balloon. It's okay. Like there's life is going to be about both. Yeah. It's okay if it feels really far away. It's both and. And, and it's all different seasons at the same time in life too, you know, like I have hopes and dreams that are that close and I've got a big bear hug around that balloon and on my chest. I've got some hopes and dreams that that balloon's so high, I lose sight of it sometimes, you yeah. know? I mean, so anyway, I digress. You were just talking about bringing things to the Lord and prayer and asking him like, okay, what do you want for me? I know that as you continue on in your story, you are waiting and waiting and waiting still for this. Your primary hope and dream for your life is to become a wife and a mom, and it's not happening. And at some point, you know, a question I often ask on this podcast is, what did that do to your relationship with God? And what did that conversation, what did those conversations start to look like for you? Yeah, um, it definitely put separation there and um to unpack that a little more because it wasn't I I wrote about this it wasn't just one day I woke up and stopped communicating with the Lord it was a long line of disappointment disappointment starting to doubt God was good and again investing in a relationship that in my mind at the time began to just focus on is God good? Is he really there for me? Like, has he forgotten me? Mm-hmm. And again, just to go back to, I guess, details of my story, I had gone through this moment, which actually, I think we met there. We went through like a, a conference, if you will. Um, and I felt like the Lord kind of radically kind of shook up my faith in my life and, and this little comfort zone of, of what I'd grown up in this bubble, if you will. Like he really just became so much 
bigger to me. Like I had kind of, I feel like put my relationship with the Lord in this little box and he just started to tear the walls down and show me he was just so much bigger and he had so much more for me and living a life as a Christian wasn't just about staying safe and comfortable. And anyways, I had this whole incredible, like, if you will, like mountaintop experience where I felt like I was just seeing God in his, just more of his fullness, more of who he was. And a short time after that, we found out my mom's cancer was back. Um, and again, I was praying these big faith-filled prayers. I really believed that God was going to answer all of those prayers for my mom's healing. And that didn't happen. And I would say that put like a little crack in my, the foundation I was standing on because it was like, I, I prayed these faith-filled prayers. I really saw this turning out and my mom's healing and total healing. I was even to the point where I was like, this is great. He bought can not that I ever wanted her to deal with any of it, but I'm like, he bought cancer back in the mix just so he could prove how big he is. Mm. And watching her pass away, definitely there started to be this little like chipping away at that like strong mm -hmm. foundation and that faith I was standing on. And after that, I started dating my best guy friend and I really was kind of like, okay, like this was it. I think you'll maybe see in the book. And then I always try to like make sense of things. And I feel like my mind is always trying to, oh, yeah. this happened because of this. And so this could happen. And, and so he walked me through that season and I was at home for a really long time because my mom spent a long time in hospice and stuff. And he walked me through that and we started dating. I'd never really seen him in that way. I'd always just been a friend. And we started dating and we dated for about a year in the midst of that. His dad passed away. We really just like went through this whole thing together mm -hmm. and all of that grief, all that trauma really bonded us together. Sure. And I could go a whole separate hours of thing on that. But ultimately around the year mark, I just started having all this unrest and I feel like the Lord was really pursuing me to walk away from this relationship. And again, in that year, I had like moved home to be with my dad. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to move back home. I'm going to leave Nashville. I'm going to get married, have babies, do all of that. And I got to the point where I could not even enjoy the relationship anymore because what I later and, and believe was the Holy Spirit just being this, this small voice and this nagging of like, this isn't it. This isn't. And it's nothing bad or wrong about him. But, you know, now I know even more clearly we were just we wanted different things and we were going in different directions and we were trying to make this thing work that just like wasn't the mm -hmm. best for either of us. And so I ended that and was even though I ended it, it was just like broken hearted and it was almost just this like, OK, God, I'm doing this. And I think in the back of my mind, it was always like, OK, I've done this really hard thing. Now, I believe that this is going to make sense. Like, I'm going to be standing in front. I always had this picture of me standing in front of, I didn't see the guy, obviously, but standing in front of this other guy, just knowing that, okay, this was why. Like, yeah. this is why that wasn't your best, but because, yeah, yeah. I was waiting on this, like this, this guy. And this I, person. I'm obeying you. And so you're going to reward me. And my yeah. reward is going to be the perfect husband. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And as time went on and that wasn't happening, that just became like harder and harder. So back to your original question, there was this heartbreak there that lasted a really long time because it was really hard for me to let go of that ex. And then again, there was this like, I deserve this reward and I can hold, I can get through this time holding out hope that reward's going to come, but then it didn't come. And I remember certain days just like, crying and being like god do you see me like mm. did you forget and you know I've been told my whole life he sees he cares he knows but I was like I can't see that like I don't see where you are in this like I I feel like so many things have just been taken away from me this relationship and my mom and god all of these things have been taken away from me I feel like air quotes, I've done the right things yeah. and I haven't gotten the thing that I want more than anything. And so ultimately, again, it did not happen all at one time, but slowly over time, I was just like my whole life, I've tried to love and serve you in the best way that I, that I knew how. Yeah. And I still wasn't where 
I want to be. I still am not. I didn't ever get that reward, God. And so the space just became over time bigger and bigger. I started talking to God less and less. Those around me that could have probably helped point me to truth, I was embarrassed about that. And I kind of still kept going to church. I knew the right things to say and do, but there just became this this space and this disappointment of like, I haven't got what I wanted. And I just don't know that there is a point anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. It started slow, but ultimately it was just like, I'm not sure that you are good. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I started just to doubt a mm-hmm. lot that I, that mm-hmm. I knew about God and who he was and his goodness mm-hmm. for sure. Okay. So talk to the person that hears that right now and is like, yeah, I'm there. I, I mean, I know you wrote in your book something along the lines of you didn't see the point of keeping up a relationship that was so hurtful. Your relationship with the Lord was so hurtful. You didn't believe he was good anymore. Talk to the person that's right there right now. To you that is feeling that and you're like nodding your head or maybe it brought tears because that's happened to me where you're like, those are the words that I couldn't find. But yeah, that's me. I just have a, such a sensitive place for you if that's you and just want want you to know that it's okay that you're there, that you're feeling that. Again, like right where you are is okay. And I would really just encourage that person to really just try to be honest about that, whether it be like through journaling or I've had an amazing experience at counseling where I could just sit and tell all of my truths about how hard it is and and have someone my counselor is just such a gift to meet me there but also help push me forward like there gives me so much grace for where I am but also moving forward but again there's so much I talk about this in the book and I was just thinking on the way over that in some ways I started to those were some of the thoughts and feelings I started to feel right now like I like during the season of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I have, um, you know, like wrote this book, did all these things really was like feeling strong about where I was standing. And I know God has a plan and I know like the book is called the way it will not be wasted. I know this will not be wasted, but then COVID hit and I just felt like I was smacked in the face again of like, I do not want to be in this season alone. Like I am seeing my friends and I like joked or one friend was like, do you feel like there's so many more babe, like babies born in announcements? Like it just, everything Mm -hmm. has felt magnified and Mm -hmm. highlighted. And so I don't feel like I'm at a point where I'm really feeling that super strong in the weight and in my singleness, honestly, right now. Um, but so hopefully that like lets you take a deep breath and like pressure off if you've been putting pressure on yourself and feeling shame about, you know, that it has been hard or you have felt hard with God and you just, you start where you are. I talked a lot in counseling, the shame and the shoulds and all of that stuff is, is really big for me. I have a lot of like expectations for myself and don't give myself as much grace as I give others. But we have talked a lot about just like, there is no like shoulds. And and I wrote about, and I needed this reminder and I need this reminder right now. So I'm saying this to myself of like, it doesn't matter how or why you ended up here. So like this point that I'm at right now, like a lot probably has to do with where I've been putting my time and focus and, um, but it doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter why you're here. Like if you're here, like God really does care about it and Mm -hmm. he wants to like meet you right where you are, like, um, right in the middle of like a cry fest Mm -hmm. on the floor or right sitting beside you when you're just like, I can't, I just don't want to do one more minute alone. Um, he really just does long to meet you there. And I, kind of lost sight of that in a lot of ways and even preparing for this and looking back over my book I'm like oh yeah he was there when it got really hard Mm -hmm. and so that's something that has been huge is just reminding myself of what I've already been through that's been really huge and a big part of my story so um yeah to that person like try to even it's like little small things like try to find one verse try to find one moment that God was faithful for and and write about that or say that out loud or talk about that that really can be a good 
like mood shift mm-hmm. to be like, okay, if God was faithful then, He's still faithful now. But yeah. really, just reminding yourself because we're so quick to forget. It's so easy to fall into the headspace of disappointment. It's that's just the birthplace of so much doubt, and it's so easy to get to that space. But just if we can remind ourselves of things that God has already done, or even if you can't think of something for yourself, like something He's done for someone else, because you know the God that he is to that person is the God that he is to you. Yeah. Like he's, he's the same for all yeah. of us. So. Yeah. I have two quick thoughts and then I kind of want to jump to where the turnaround or the turning point was for you in your story. I always think, you know, when we are in really hard seasons or if, if we're sitting there thinking, yeah, God, I don't know if you're good. I don't know if I trust you. I always think the most beautiful reminder is God can handle this. Like he's not scared of you. He's not scared of your anger. He's not scared of your fear. He's not scared of your doubts. He can handle this. And if you need proof that he can handle it, crack open your Bible to the book of Psalms. And just, I mean, if the very first one you don't, you, you read doesn't hit it, I promise the next one you pick out will. David and so many of the other psalmists, I mean, you see over and over and over, they start Psalms going, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> Why is my soul being crushed? Why are my enemies pursuing me? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? I don't see you. I don't feel you. I don't hear you. And in a way that only God can do I think almost every time, if not literally every time those Psalms end at some, it might not be the very last few verses, but somewhere in that lament, the Psalm will shift and David or the Psalmist will say, you're so good. And I don't understand all your ways and I don't have the mind of God. And you are so faithful because think of all the times in Israel's history that you have proven yourself faithful when we thought all hope was lost. And I was talking with a friend not too long ago and he, I had forgotten. He reminded me his mom, he did not know the Lord and that's a whole other story. Um, he was living a very harmful lifestyle to himself and others. And his mom prayed like, uh, if you've seen that movie, is it war, war room? room? Yeah. Yes. If oh, you've seen that more movie war room, she literally like is the original like war wow. room woman and in a shower stall would like warfare over her child for like three to four hours a day. Wow. Reading her Bible, praying, reading her Bible, praying. But one of the things she did, and they had a horrible relationship, her, her son and her. But one of the things she did was she kept sticky notes. Anytime something good happened between her and her son, she would write it down on a sticky note and she put it on her shower wall. And she, that came from count your blessings one by one. She took that to be gospel truth. I'm going to count my blessings one by one. Oh, Christopher didn't yell at me on the phone today. That, that went on a sticky note up in her shower. And again, another friend comes to mind who was single for a long time. She got married at 39. She would off and on for different seasons she would just put a massive piece of like butch board paper on her fridge and write down you know she'd come home and write down whatever she could it might just be one thing that day it might be seven things that day of things that she was grateful for and I I, I listened to a sermon just the other day Lisa Harper she said joy is harvested in the field of gratitude And if you can really think about that, you know, imagine you're standing in a field of wheat and it's harvest time and, you know, harvesting all that, chopping all that down. You're chopping down the gratitude, not in like a negative way, but you're, you're, you're walking through gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. And that's where joy comes from. Yeah. Wow. I love that you were kind of put those practical things. I love the practical. And I think sometimes it has to be like, we have to get that serious. Like I know the spot. And again, I've been kind of walking in it where that's the last thing like you you want to do, but how that practical and being intentional and my little word of encouragement would just be it often does take doing doing something, yeah, but doing it can the be practical. Really I Dak Shepard, who you know is not a guy that I'm like looking for theology from, but <laughs> Dak Shepard is an actor. If you don't know, and he has a a podcast that I enjoy, and he talks about he is prone to depression, and when he kind of starts feeling low and feeling the weight of depression creep up, he knows like he's got this list of ten things that he needs to do, not every day, but like if he's feeling that, he looks at that list of 10 and says, I have to do three things on that list today. That's good. And it's 
working out. It's doing something for his wife that he knows is going to mean a lot. It's going to serve her, but he doesn't really want to do it. Um, it's really simple things. Yeah. It's talking to a friend. So some of it is internal and some of it's external, like serving others. But that is such practical, easy advice. It's putting one foot in front of the other instead of what you really want to do when you feel depressed is like knock it out of bed and like eat ice cream or not eat anything, whatever, you know, you tend right. towards in food yes. and depression. But, you know, his thought is like, no, you, you know the things that help you. So write, write out the list and choose to do three things off that list today. Yeah. And I also always think like in seasons like this, this is not a sprint. It is a marathon. And I don't know if, you know, obviously not everyone listening has trained for a marathon. I have never trained for a marathon. I will run halves. I love half marathons. <laughs> but even that, it is rare when I start a half marathon. Like I'm like, I'm going to do a, marath- a half marathon and I'm going to start the training tomorrow, I have to start like the couch to 5k training plan. And then I start the half marathon, but it's, it's in the couch to 5k. Oh my gosh. You run for like 30 seconds the first day. Like, yeah. You like that's barely true. run that's at really, all. Yeah. And that's okay. And you know what? There are days that I miss and that's okay. It's like, but what's like the practical things that I have to do? Put one foot in front of the other. Okay. But we've gone so far. I want to get back to your story. So, I mean, you fell into a very, very dark season. You start really living life how you, you decided God's way didn't work. Yeah. And I'm just going to do whatever I want to do because maybe that'll work out for me. Yeah. And then you finally start having a turning point. Just want to interrupt this conversation for a second to tell you about a couple things. One, each month in 2020, I'm choosing a book of the Bible to study, and I would love for you to join me. You can learn all about it on my Instagram, and you can even download a reading guide to help you. The guide is to give you a super simple, flexible, and really a practical guide in helping you get in a rhythm of reading your Bible and seeing how it can impact your life. Second, I'm running a major sale on my book, The College Girl Survival Guide. It is the perfect high school graduation gift or just a sweet way to encourage a current college student you know and love. You can even ship the book directly to her with a note from you. Go to hannahseymour.com for more info and use the discount code no matter what, all one word, all lowercase, no matter what at checkout. I felt nothing for so long and I felt like this relationship with the Lord hasn't gotten me where I wanted. So maybe I should just like do what I want, like tired of trying to like do it right and feeling guilty for doing it wrong and really just tried to be like, I'm just going to like be in my mind what was like free and I'm going to live and I'm going to explore and I'm going to do all this stuff. It's actually really funny. I did this whole like hashtag and series of photos that was like my summer of wander. And I really was just like wandering. And it was like, I was thinking, obviously we think and, and I mean, it was sin. And so I think sin is obviously enticing. It comes in enticing packages and we never really think that, you know, we always think we can handle it. And ultimately what felt like it might be this like freedom and boost like at the end of the day like just led to more darkness so um we just piled all that on on top of like me thinking that this this thing was gonna like help fix or satisfy or at least just give me this like freedom so I will never get this moment because it's so huge this all went on for over a year and again I'm thankful partly was because I was too scared not to come to church because I felt like people were going to start like coming trying to find me and I <laughs> didn't on your want door. that yeah <laughs> so I was like I'm gonna at least like show my face I'm gonna like you know but I went to a conference at our church and it was a relationship conference I don't know like why exactly I went because I just was like I know it's going to be some of the same old stuff about like just enjoy your singleness whatever that I don't want to hear I know I kind of have this relationship on the side that I'm telling everyone we're just friends but honestly we're not we're we're dating but I'm 
not telling anyone about it. Not healthy. So I was at this conference and all of a sudden this woman starts speaking and she got married at I believe 37 and she really just started speaking so much truth of like how hard singleness was, how much she disliked it. It felt so real and honest and vulnerable and she wasn't trying to sugarcoat it. She was very sassy and she's like, it is hard to live a life without touch. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, it really is. Like that is something that I like innately want it it is hard like and so she that day was like I want to pray for you like if you want to come forward and I remember at that time it's interesting to look back because now I'm like oh my gosh we're all so messed up and we all need but I felt almost nervous going forward because I was like people are gonna look at me they're gonna think like something's really going on or wrong or whatever and I remember standing up there that day and I was like god I honestly have no idea if I've ruined this whole thing but like somewhere that small girl in me believed that you know that you had the godly marriage for me and you had all these great plans for me and if if you will, because at the time I wasn't really even sure that I, you know, there was this, if, if you will, like, will you help me? Like, will you, will you meet me here? Will you? And the woman came by and prayed for each of us and there wasn't anything like extra special or nothing crazy happened or I didn't feel different like right in that moment. But I look back now in hindsight and I'm like that was a really pivotal moment Mm -hmm. because it was kind of me throwing my hands in the air and saying like I don't know I don't have it figured out I don't have a plan I don't have a 10-step plan but God if you still have this will you help me Mm -hmm. like will you meet me here and I feel like that's the thing is that he always does and he longs to just meet us right where we are so from there it was just like really long journey of ups and downs and back and forth. I got invited to this women's event. It ended up being kind of a, not a group counseling session, but a woman who now, who became my counselor was talking to us about her feelings and we kind of had discussions and I was just, she again was being real about these are the questions I had for God. Like I went through a really hard time with my son and I really started to doubt who God was and was he good and my faith got shaken up. And I was like, she felt like she was putting words to some of the questions I'd had. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, went up to her just crying and I was like, can I come to your office? Can I meet with you? And she was, you know, of course. And so I started seeing her and she was really the first person I told about this secret relationship. Mm -hmm. Like that was still ongoing. And, and so anyways, it was just, it was again, one foot in for the other, like small thing after small thing that I can look back and maybe didn't see in the moment, but I can look back and be like, God brought me to that girl's house to meet my counselor. And he brought this person into my life that I really needed it on that day. And it was just slowly, but surely from there, like really rebuilding a foundation mm-hmm. of who God was asking the questions like, God, are you? Are you good? I always thought you were, but this this is hard and this is yeah. where I'm at in the struggle. And ultimately, obviously, like walked away from that relationship, which was really hard, but just kind of just, just step after step, mm-hmm. like rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think a pivotal part of your story, but anyone's story, is inviting other people in. And I mean, specifically thinking about like if you are living in some kind of secret sin, I promise you, and I, I am really like this black and white. I just the other day we were talking to friends. I was like, oh, I love gray. I love the gray. I could live in gray all day. You know, different personalities are very black and white and yeah. some are gray and I am a gray person. Um, I am black and white on this. If you are living in a secret sin, you will never, you will never recover from it. You will never fully leave it. You will never fully heal from it unless you tell somebody about it. Yeah. And it's not just God. And I'm sorry, it could just be a counselor. Mm-hmm. And that may be the, you may only have to tell one person. A lot of times we've got to tell more than one. It almost never means you have to tell everybody. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, unless God suddenly shifts everything and decides that that secret sin becomes your ministry, that you're on a platform, that's about the only time you're going to have to tell everybody. Yeah. Otherwise, um, you're telling one person and they, they better be a really safe person Yeah, and you might be telling a few people, but that was certainly part of your journey. Step one with your counselor and slowly, but surely letting people know your close friends, your small group leader, 
because the enemy gets so much power from us hiding in a dark closet. Oh my gosh. And even if we think we can step out of the closet and close the door and keep the bones inside that dark closet, if we don't tell somebody, I guarantee you're going to open that door and go back into that closet. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I honestly just thought of just now, right around that time of like when all this was happening and I told my counselor, which she was the first person and whatever, I was at church and this guest pastor came and I was like, does he, he, he sees me like he was in my counseling meeting. Cause he was saying that exact thing. He was like, really just like coming for the things that we're like doing in the dark, especially, you know, was talking about relationships and the things that we try to keep hidden and the things that we like think are going to be okay and whatever. And he had us stand up if there was something that we wanted to like repent of. And again, terrifying. Yeah, nobody wants to stand up. No. <laughs> the funny thing that I think maybe we'll find an encouragement to you, like did not want to stand up because I was, again, I was like, no one knows. They're going to be like, what? You know, yeah. and you, you always think everyone's you? looking at you. My friend that, like my good friend that was sitting right next to me, like after I was like, yeah stand up and she's like you did you know like we think everyone's eyes are on us but it's so yes they're not it's just it's about us and God but but then he said he like looked at us and he was like within 24 hours you have to tell someone or the enemy is gonna like make you believe this isn't yes this didn't happen and that you aren't forgiven from this like you have to and so I actually grabbed a friend right then and I was like can we go to lunch like I have to And so, yes, 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 yes. That's such a huge part of my story. And I think what I'm processed in the last couple days is I've started to feel like maybe we're a little bit coming out of it and different stuff is that's what's been hard of this like COVID season and this, you know, stay at home stuff is that community is so when those people can really see you, like it just gets really easy to push people away. And like I had to do like take my own advice and do the same thing about how I've been struggling, like really had to like lay it all out there with my counselor this week and had to let some friends in and already like I do feel a little lighter mm-hmm. letting them in and one of them was like yeah actually I feel like you have been a little dodgy and that's so like not like you like I've you know over the past two or three years you've just been so open and honest and it was amazing to see how quickly I could revert back to that kind of like give people a stiff arm like yeah I'm good I'm yeah good. I'm good. yeah yeah um but just reminded me how important community yes. is and doing life with people. Yes. I want to I want to say that to the person who's listening right now. You, you know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. You you, know. you have to go tell someone in the next 24 hours. By the time that this podcast ends and you finish it, I want you to go tell someone in 24 hours. Pick a safe person. Be wise about yeah. who you tell. Yeah. Be wise. Yeah, cuz you could tell the person that's doing some of the same things as you, yes. you know? Yes. You know, you probably thinking of the person too right now that you're like I don't want to tell them. Yeah. I don't yeah. Tell yeah. Them. <laughs> I promise you yeah. that's the person you need to yeah. tell. Yeah. The person you know? that that has walked with Jesus for a while, go tell them. Okay, and here's my question for you, Lauren. So, for someone who is listening to this and thinking like, "Oh, I got her. I see her. My dodgy friend. I know my friend that's dodging me. Whatever. What advice would you, what, what can that friend, especially right now, COVID-19, everyone's isolated. I would say if you're the friend of that person, pick up the phone, call your dodgy friend. And if they actually answer you, which they probably won't. So however you get them to answer, what can he or she say to their dodgy friend? I know it won't fix it, but like, what's a seed that they can plant? What can they say? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of this one friend who we did some FaceTime calls early on and, and she gave me some space. So she wasn't calling me like every day, but she was like doing some like check-ins and she just told me yesterday, she was like, I could tell, but I didn't want to put that on you if like you were actually okay. But I think I would have been fine with her just being like, Hey, I feel like you have been not as active or not as engaged and I just want you to know like whatever is going on like I see you I love you like yeah okay I have three final questions for you number one the book is called the weight will not be wasted you have a chapter that's called the weight is in your favor and I want you to talk about that That was actually something that I felt like the Holy Spirit had said to me many times over. 
a verse that blew me away, but it was in the, it was in the message version. So I was reading other versions and I was like reading the message version and it says, that is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. And so around that same time, I had read that verse in the message, Romans 8 in the message, and I felt like before that, God was like, the weight is in your favor. And I understood that, mm. like the physical part of, of a mom and how- Yeah, it's an amazing picture. Yeah, like that, the weight is- You can't be pregnant for two months. Yeah. It, it doesn't result in a healthy baby. Yeah, there's a goodness to, to full term and mm. to things taking time. And it was the first time I really saw- Wait, like, so you're saying, like, I'm enlarged, like, I'm becoming better, I'm becoming stronger, I'm becoming filled with more peace, like, I'm becoming more of the daughter he became to me, like, waiting is actually for my good, and it was... Even when it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel good right now, does it? No, Mm -hmm. it really doesn't in the slightest. Yeah. It just doesn't, but the little bit of, like, tears in my eyes starts to happen because, like, there is this like depth of like, this is hard and this isn't like what I want. Mm-hmm. But it was like this promise was staring at me of like, it's for your good. An interesting question. So years ago, I think I still lived in DC at the time. And if I did not, I was visiting, but I'm pretty sure I did. And there was five of us sitting around and three of us were single. Uh, I was the youngest in the group that was single. Many of them were like mid thirties or later. And one of the single women said, if you knew that you'd be married within a year of today, what things would you change or do or whatever? And it was fascinating to hear those of us who were single. I mean, some of them were like, I would quit smoking. I mean, like someone literally was still, you know, hooked on cigarettes and knew I don't want to be smoking when I meet my husband. So wow, I need yeah. to quit. I mean, some like really basic and, and others, I mean, things from like some adventures I want to take to habits I want to start or habits I want to stop. And, but it's always really stuck with me because I've thought none of us are going to know the deadline, whether Mm -hmm. it's waiting for a husband or waiting for a child. You know, there are women that are in seasons of infertility for years. Yeah, You don't know, you don't know when that season's going to end for you, if it's going to end for you, if you're going to have children, all, all that. But I think it is an interesting exercise of like, if you were guaranteed and given the date, how would you live differently? And I think most of the time, it's a good indicator of like, that's how I need to be living. That is how I need to be living now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you also wrote in your book, pain serves a purpose. Yeah. So the weight is in your favor and pain serves a purpose. Talk about that. Yeah. I got some pictures that I talk about in the book of how when our bodies, when there is pain there, it's an indicator that something is going on, that something something's off, something's not exactly right. And so let's say, you know, you have this sharp pain in your stomach and it's because your appendix bursts. like that pain signals, hello, warning, you need to do something. And so the same thing with our hearts and our emotions, which I think we're way more normally willing to be like, okay, this stomach pain hurts so bad. I have to like go to the doctor or something and get it addressed. Whereas like emotionally when we're in pain, oh, yeah. it's so much easier to be like stuff, 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 or it's fine. I'll be better. It'll, we don't really want to deal with it. But that pain shows us that there's something going on there. And again, back to like what I said before of like, it doesn't matter how it got there. Why? It doesn't matter if it's an external force, if it's something that you chose to walk in. It really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if there is pain there, God cares about it and he wants you to address it. And yeah. so it was this idea of like the heart does serve a purpose. I A friend and I always talk about she's been some through some really hard breakups too. We're like we always talk about how it's such a bittersweet time because the pain and the separation in that hard is awful. But there's this desperation for the Lord mm-hmm. that only comes like yeah. when we are hurting. Um, there's this, especially in a breakup terms, it just it feels like it just hurts all the time. And so it's almost like, God, I need you for this next breath. And you can't like really fake or put together that desperation. Like when things seem to be kind of just like going, it's easy just to kind of float by. But when things get heavy and get hard, we're desperate Mm -hmm. for help a lot of times. And so another gift of the hard and of the pain is that it pushes us to Jesus. And again, like 
that's a lot of times like a choice that we make. But I mean, I think God in the Bible says he's near to the brokenhearted. Like he wants you to know that he gets close and near like when we are hurting. And so um, that can be an opportunity in that desperation just to to lean in even more. Yeah. You wrote fruit grows in the valleys and not on the mountaintops. And when I read that, I thought, man, that is so good. The true fruit comes in the hardships. It comes in the valleys because we're on the mountaintop. Like we don't need God anymore. I mean, we do. Yeah. But we don't act like it. Yeah. It's that middle ground that we hate, that weight, that middle, that, that we feel like we're like crawling our way through, but like, that's where we get shaped. Like that's who we learn who we are, who God is. Like, I've said many times, which I just need to hear this so bad right now because I've just been focusing on, like, where is he going? <laughs> Even as you were saying it, I was yeah. like, she is literally preaching to herself in yeah. this very moment. God loves us. And again, this is so funny because I've said this so many times. I'm like, I need to hear it right now. But, like, God loves us too much that it's, like, it's not even about getting that thing. Like, he's a good God who longs to give us those good gifts. And so, like... He yeah. blesses us with those things at the end that we're waiting for and that we're longing for because he loves to give good good gifts to his children. But he cares so much more about that, about that middle ground. Like he loves us too much to let us skip the hard because he knows that like we're formed there and we are shaped there and there's good for us there. And again, I am preaching to myself because I'm like, just get me through this. But but that's the perspective shift I think that we all need. It's like we we see the good gift as the thing that we like desire, but in the spiritual realm, where you are today is the good gift. Yeah. And that does not feel right. Right. Because no. what what we think is good feels good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like I've talked about this a few times on different episodes, definitely with the conversation I had with my friend Ellen in season one, who was single until she was 39, but that like, it's cosmically impossible for the Lord to be less good to you on any day. Mm-hmm. So what he has given you today is truly his absolute best for you. And we don't see it that way because we think we know what's best. Yeah. But he, his way is always the best way. It may not be the easiest. It's probably never the easiest, but it's the best. Yeah. I was just thinking, um, I love Lisa Turkhurst and her book has been so helpful to me in navigating that because it's not supposed, it's called, it's not supposed to be this way. And it's about that disappointment, but she talks about like that she really finds herself getting into trouble or more negative headspace when she decides what a good God would do. And that's always always so good to me because it was like, yeah, like who am I to decide what a good God would do? Yeah, a good God would not take my mom away. Yeah, like I'm not actually, my limited human brain isn't actually deciding what a good God would do. Like, That's good. That's going to stick with me. Yeah. Okay, two more questions. You know, I'm all about the practical. Like, I think it's great to talk big picture, but I think a lot of times in in the Christian life, we do a lot of big picture and then it's like, but what does that mean? Yeah, but what do I do with that? Like, but today I'm still hurting. What do I do? Yeah, Yeah, and you wrote a chapter. I don't know if the whole chapter's on it, but part of it about specifically, like, what does it look like to have faith in this season? And I thought it was so good. So I want, I want you to share it. Yeah. It's kind of towards the end of the book. And it was just this idea that sometimes like things are not going to make sense. Like I can't explain to you why cancer exists. Like I can't explain to you exactly why my mom passed away. Like I can't tell you why you're so single when it doesn't add up in, you know, your head. But at the end of the day, like we just have to have faith that God knows better than us. So anyways, I, I'd listen to this sermon and I'm just going to read what I wrote. <laughs> I said, I love how the preacher explained it that day. He said, faith isn't an imaginary state where we convince ourselves nothing bad will ever happen. Instead, faith is a focus. Faith is when we decide to put our focus on God and who he is no matter what. Even while we are still going through the tragedy and even when the weight makes no sense. Even while the storm is still raging and there are no signs of it stopping anytime soon. If we can put our focus on God, we will develop this deep understanding of who God really is. He's not the God who just magically makes everything fall into place, but the God who is mighty to save even when everything feels like it's falling apart. 
That's so good because our hope is in the Lord and it's not in our circumstance, but we're so corporal, you know, we're human beings. Of course we want to put our hope in the things we can see. And we're, so we're hoping for our circumstance to turn out a certain way, but you know, scripture talks about, uh, we have this hope and anger for our souls. Well, our circumstances are never going to be an anchor for our souls, only the Lord. And, Mm. and I think that still is this like really big concept, but I just love the practicality of like, no faith, faith is focus. It's fixing your eyes on Jesus, the yeah. author and perfecter of our faith. Yeah. Of our, I love that. Like, I mean, you know, that's where I was going. Faith is a focus on Jesus. Who is the one who perfects our that's faith? So good. You don't perfect your faith. No. He perfects your faith. Okay. Last question. I, I always, it doesn't matter where conversation goes. We've got to get to some scripture. And we've talked about some a little bit. Yeah. But I want to know, was there a specific Bible verse or passage that has just become your anthem for like, the waiting in singleness. This yeah. is my biblical anthem. Yes. Funny story about this too. I, again, coming out of the depression, finding this new real and honest relationship with the Lord that has been so life-giving. And I was like, okay, I want a verse. <laughs> like, okay, God, like give me a new verse, like for the season. Like I want to stamp it. I want to mark it. Yeah. I want to put it everywhere. I'm going to tattoo wanna... it on my forehead, yeah. on my eyelids. And he was like, for I know the plans I have for you. And I was like, yeah, no, I know that one. Hard pass, God. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, and it wasn't even like, I'm, I'm like, I'm clearly not against that one, but like, I just know that one. Like, I'm really familiar, Jeremiah 29, 11. Like, what's this new, fresh, like, yeah. verse that's like <laughs> hidden in there that I've never read I don't before. even know. Yeah. Um, and he's like, Jeremiah 29, 11. And I'm like, okay. Um, and of course, it was just like, as God does, it started showing up everywhere. Yeah. I like moved into a new yeah. house and friends showed up with this, like, whole beautiful wood frame with the verse on it and different Mm -hmm. stuff and I was like okay but God's um, like you don't like it I'll have someone (laughs) engrave it on a piece of wood and bring it to your house how's that yeah I'm gonna show up with it but yeah so I was like okay okay I hear you I hear you here yeah that has been just the verse that I could cling to and even this week I have like been like okay what's one thing I can do and I was like in my basement working out and I was like remembered that I wrote about how there was in those hard moments I had to stand there and declare that verse and so I stood there and I was like for I know the plans that you have for me plans to prosper me and not to harm me and I think we have to really sometimes like fight with that scripture and so you know like walking into the next wedding or the next baby shower or waking up to another day alone or you know in all of these circumstances like I had to sometimes with tears streaming down my face like actually point into like the unknown and the darkness into all of these things the sadness and say like for I know the plans that you have for me like and just like and sometimes over and over and over again until again like we we're saying faith is that focus until I can start to like focus yeah. on God and not the darkness or yeah. not my problems or not the sadness, but just like declaring that like he he knows the plans yeah. that he has for me. Yeah. And so that includes right now, yeah. even despite it not looking like I want, that's a promise that I can take to the bank that he has good plans for me. And yeah. they, d- they aren't always Lauren's plans. Yeah. But he has good plans for me. Yeah, that's so good. I want to read that verse in the message because Eugene Peterson wrote the message translation literally to give like a fresh read to the Bible in general. But I, I like to go to the message specifically for verses like this because they become so casual to me that they almost lose meaning because I've heard yeah. it a thousand yeah. times. For I know the yeah. plans I have for you to declare as a Lord. Plans to prosper like, you not to like... harm you. But yeah, exactly. Um I did though on Instagram in one of my stories, I'll I'll link it in the show notes. I like explain the message and why it's great to use exactly for the reason we're gonna use it right now, but it's not the best Bible to like only read really and study. So um, I well thanks for saying that. And then actually my um if you follow me on Instagram, I choose a book a month to read through and I've just started putting out like reading plans and a like a light study guide for anyone to download. So the month of June, which depending on when you 
listener listen to this, it may not be June anymore, but um, we're going through first, second, and third John, the John letters. But in those notes, I always explain to what translation, like how we even got all these English translations. We have so many and yeah. what they all mean. And anyway, so all that to say, if you're curious about that, you can, I'll link all that stuff in my show notes. But this is Jeremiah 29, 11 in the message. And this is God speaking. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Mm -hmm. And the future you hope for, this is Hannah now talking, not the message of the Bible. The future you hope for is God's goodness in your life, is God's best for your life. That is the future that at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want God's best. And that that's his plans for you is mm -hmm. always and only for your best. Lauren, thanks for doing this. And thanks for your vulnerability. Not just today, but in your book. Y'all, if you are in a season of waiting and specifically singleness, you need this book. It's so great. I mean, I learned stuff from it and I am not single, right? <laughs> but like we all have seasons of waiting. Lauren's book is called The Wait Will Not Be Wasted. And you can get it on Amazon, yeah. Barnes and Noble, all the places. It is well worth your read. And I'll put in the show notes if you want to follow Lauren on socials and all the fun places, you can do that too. Thanks again for doing this. Love you, friend. I love you too. Thanks for having me. Okay, one last thing before you go. You know I always make sure our guests talk about some passage of scripture they really clung to during their no matter what season. And I have put all of the season one verses together in a cute, free, printable PDF that I would love to give you. Print it out and put it somewhere you will see it every day. I know it will encourage you and help you continue to renew your mind with God's truth instead of letting your circumstances dictate your theology. You can go to hannahseymour.com slash shop or find the direct link in the show notes wherever you listen. And speaking of where you listen, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, would you take two seconds to rate and review the show? It would mean so much to me. And you know, it helps other people find it. And hopefully they'll listen and be encouraged to be who God created them to be no matter what.